We are continuing our look at the Gospel of Mark. And this morning we find ourselves in chapter 4, reading verses 1 to 20. Listen again to God's word to us. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and then his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among, along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On this Mother's Day, we are looking at the mother of all of Jesus' parables. It is the parable that explains parables. Jesus tells this parable about the sower sowing his seed and it falling in four different kinds of soil and then concludes with whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. He's saying this is important. Make sure you get this, right? And so he tells this story, he says, make sure you get this. And the disciples look at each other to see if anybody else got it, right? And I can imagine having been in several classes like this in college, looking at my classmates going, did you get it? And seeing that none of the, nobody else got it, a sense of relief, right? Like, I'm not the only one who's not understanding fully what Jesus is talking about here. I know this is supposed to be important. I know this farmer sowed a seed in four different places, and three of them didn't turn out so well, and one produced a good prop, and this is important because 
And they don't have a clue, like we wouldn't have a clue. And so when they finally get Jesus alone, they, they get up the nerve. Jesus, what does this mean? And Jesus says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Again, imagine you're one of the disciples. Jesus says to you, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. My response would have been, shoot, he told us the secret? <laughs> what was the secret? I mean, and I would have been flipping through my notes. And you know, if we flip through the gospel of Mark, there is no secret Jesus has told him so far. And you're, again, you're sitting there, I'm missing this again. What is the secret? Thomas, did you get the secret? What they have been given is indeed the secret, but they didn't know it. The secret has been an invitation to follow Jesus. The secret of the kingdom of God is Jesus himself. He is the secret, the, the mystery that has been revealed. Kids, if you're listening, here is the secret, right? The secret, not surprising, is Jesus. If you want to know what heaven is like, if you want to know what it's like to be with God in his presence, then be with Jesus. Share life with him. That is the secret. The disciples have been given that. We are given that. But, Jesus says, to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Why? Why does Jesus teach in parables and in stories and not just tell them plainly? Well, because so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. And again, imagining myself as one of the disciples, I can imagine him saying that they may ever seeing but never perceiving, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, and ever hearing but never understanding, yeah, yeah, and that otherwise might turn and be forgiven. Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you saying, Jesus? Like, this makes no sense to us, right? Jesus does not want people to understand, does not want people to repent and be forgiven. And this is another secret. This is something that makes no sense to us until Jesus reveals it to us. Alan talked a few weeks ago about this theme of the messianic secret in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus tells people over and over again not to tell others about this miracle. You were a leper, now you're not. Don't tell anybody. You know? And uh, he tells the demons who start proclaiming who Jesus is, be quiet. Don't tell people who I am, the Son of God, the Messiah. He speaks to them in parables because if he told them plainly, they would misunderstand. What Mark wants us to know, the secret for us, is that we cannot understand God's kingdom. We cannot understand God. We cannot understand anything about who Jesus is and what he is doing until we understand him, until we stand under him at the cross. It is not until the cross that we will be able to fully understand who this Jesus, the Messiah, is. And what he's saying is that those who are not following him cannot receive forgiveness until they see Jesus crucified for them. To repent without the cross is an exercise in self-improvement. And there is no forgiveness in that, only pride. 
He tells these stories as part of his tilling the ground to prepare them to be able to receive the secret. Jesus is God's Messiah, God's Son, God himself, who must suffer and die on a cross and be raised on the third day. The secret has been given to us. So knowing the secret, what's that secret again? That following Jesus will lead us to know the true nature and character of God, our King, and thereby know his kingdom. And that we see this most clearly by his death on a cross. That is the secret. So knowing this secret then, let us look at this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now this farmer is not very careful, right? He sows his seed recklessly, wastefully, just throwing it everywhere. And the kingdom of God is like that. God doesn't look at the world and pick out only the best people, only the most saintly people, only the people who are most serious about following him to make himself known. No, he throws his seed everywhere. He wastes his seed on people who have no interest in him or his kingdom. And so were some of us. The kingdom of God is like that. There should be a, a reckless character to our outreach. Our outreach should not be like the way our denomination used to do it. When I first started ministry, our denomination tried to plant churches. And the way we did that is that we spent about half a million dollars to plant one church. And we would do demographic studies to see where people were looking at census tracts and where people were moving in and where people who have the same sort of socioeconomic status status as most of us Presbyterians, and where were they moving to, and where were they under-churched, and let's we find the exact geographic location, the corner where that church should be planted, and we buy this property, and we build a building, and we bring in a young pastor, right, and that's how we were very careful with how we planted our churches. Unlike our brother Shandan in India, right, who they send people out to every village, not knowing if there's even one person in that village who knows Jesus. They send them and they look and see if there's any person who is even a man or woman of peace who welcomes them, and they begin just to tell stories. They recklessly throw the seed out there, and churches are springing up all over India. The kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like a seed Jesus returned to this metaphor several times in his parables. But notice that Jesus is actually planting a seed here. He is tilling the ground. A seed is this thing that gets buried underground. It is gone. We cannot see it. It is underground, but something is happening underground. Jesus tells this parable as a seed. He, his hearers don't get it, but without their knowing it, this word picture is doing a hidden work in their imagination so that one day when they see Jesus revealed on the cross, they will be able to say, that's right, that's like the story that I heard. The kingdom of God is like a seed, literally. A seed gets buried. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Like a seed, he is buried in the ground, and then on the third day, he rose again, 
just like a seed rises to life and fruitfulness. The parable describes these seeds as springing up, as growing up, as coming up, all this resurrection-type language. The Apostle Paul uses the same metaphor in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, is raised imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Much of the time we can't see what God is doing. When we lived in Pittsburgh, the home where we lived, we bought it from members of our church who had one of the great gifts they gave to us was that they had planted crocuses in our backyard. We had a, a small backyard. There probably were 300 crocuses that would come up in a small backyard every spring. When we moved here to Durham, we had no crocuses. And so finally, last fall, I was determined I'm going to plant some crocuses. And so I bought, I think I bought 60 crocuses to plant in our front yard. And I planted them, and this spring came. And I saw crocuses a couple houses down by our neighbor's house. And our daffodils came up, which usually come after crocuses, and no crocuses. And I thought, did all 60 crocuses die? But then, right, these little green leaves with a little white stripe down the middle that crocuses have began to pop up in the places I planted them. I couldn't see. It seemed like nothing was happening for months and months, right? But that seed was coming to life. On this Mother's Day, there are moms who are here who are grieving because of children who have wandered away from the faith they were taught. Moms, dads, we cling in hope to the seed that was planted. Even if that seed has been paved over with concrete, there is still life in the seed. And one day, the concrete will crack and new life will rise up. Others of us agonize for the church of Jesus Christ to be faithful to her calling. We agonize for new life to spring up in Christ's church. God has wastefully spread his seed even in very unlikely places, and it will rise. There's so much more we could say about this parable, about the four soils, but I want to close with two applications. The first is for us to remember what the kingdom of God is like. If I were to ask you, what is the kingdom of God like, what would you say? Honestly, what do you expect the kingdom of God to be like? If we are honest, I think we would say that the kingdom of God is like a mighty army, right, that sweeps away every foe that comes against it. Or we might say the kingdom of God is like a great preacher whose great eloquence and power, persuasion, and authority convinces all those who hear of the truth of the gospel. Or maybe we say the kingdom of God is like a group of people who are so committed to God and his ways that the world would see and be convicted and so attracted to this beautiful way of life that the world would come and flock to this group wanting to be a part of this community of people. Maybe you wouldn't say these things out loud, but isn't that what we expect? Don't our disappointments betray our expectations? But these expectations do not include a cross. The kingdom of God is not like a great preacher 
or an awesome congregation so much as is like a housemate or a son or daughter saying, please, let me do the dishes. It's like a farmer who sowed his seed, and for every story of success, there are three stories of fruitlessness. Our lives are not characterized by victory after victory, but primarily failure, but with fruit. We are tempted over and over again to think that we know the secret of the kingdom of God, that we are insiders, right, those of us here, and therefore our lives will be successful and fruitful. We forget that the secret of the kingdom of God is not some great theological insight, but is the person of Jesus and are following after him. And following him means we get to suffer the same rejection and persecution he did. We die with him like a seed planted in the ground. And by his grace and mercy, when we die with him, we will also be raised with him. We are willing to suffer, to sacrifice, to serve, to speak the truth, even though the cost of speaking the truth is high. But from that, God can bring a harvest, perhaps 30 or 60 or even 100-fold. And the second point of our application is to ask ourselves, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil are we? Our text gives us a key to our becoming the good soil that receives God's word and allows it to bear fruit in our lives. Jesus begins the parable saying, listen, behold, listen. And he ends the parable saying, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. In his interpretation of the parable, he repeats with each of the four soils, that they hear the word. Each of the four soils hears the word. There's an interesting thing that we cannot see in our English translations. When the seed falls on the path or on the, the rocky soil or in the thorny, weedy soil, each of those times the word used for hear is in the past tense, a Greek tense called the aorist tense, which means a past action that happened once and was finished. But the Greek verb for hear with the good soil is in the present tense, implying action that is present and continual. How do we be good soil? We listen. We listen and not just once at some time in the past when we heard the word and, and received it, but we listen and keep on listening. Not enough to say that I heard and accepted the gospel once in the past. Are you hearing the gospel today, every day? Are you reading scripture every day? Are you reading scripture and listening to it, doing what it tells you to do, asking the Holy Spirit to convict, to challenge, to comfort you? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you asking the Holy Spirit each morning, Lord, show me, show me how I can be your witness today. Lord, show me how I can demonstrate your love, your character to someone today. And at the end of the day, are we listening to the Holy Spirit as you review the day with him, seeing the opportunities you took and those you missed? Beloved, let the seed of God's word be planted in you every day. May it be planted in us. I can't wait to see what will spring up. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray 
that indeed your word would be planted deep in our hearts, that we would listen actively, and that we would remember the secret of who you are, Lord Jesus, and that we might live each day following after you. And Lord, give us eyes to see how your word springs up in us, in us, each one of us, in us together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.